Let us pause for a moment of prayer. God of the all-creative word, as we listen to the words of scripture, reveal the mysteries of faith to us by the power of your Holy Spirit. May we grow in faith and hear your call to witness in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. First lesson is from Romans 5, uh, verses 1 to 5. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us to this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident, confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Our responsive reading comes from Psalm 8. O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babes and infants, you have found a hope. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established. What are human beings that you are mindful of them, mortals that you care for them? Yet you have made them little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field. The birds of the air and the fish of the seas, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. The second lesson is from John 16, 12, verses 12 to 15. There is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said, the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. This is the word of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. 
Our scripture today is from Romans 5, verses 1 to 5. Here is an interpretation of this section taken from Bishop N.T. Wright's commentary. The result of this, since we've been declared in the right on the basis of faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus the Messiah. Through him we have been allowed to approach, by faith, into grace in which we stand, and we celebrate the hope of the glory of God. That's not all. We also celebrate in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces patience, patience produces a well-formed character, and a character like that produces hope. Hope, in its turn, does not make us ashamed because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Bishop Wright goes on to tell us that Paul is talking about a reconciliation to end all reconciliations. Since we have been declared to be in the right, we have what? A warm glow in the heart? A sigh of relief that our sins have been forgiven? A new understanding of what it means to belong to God's people? Yes, all of those and more but at the center of it all, we have peace with God. Having laid the foundation of the first four chapters of Romans, Paul is beginning to build a structure, a picture of Christian life in which all the ancient promises of God are coming true. And at the center of these promises is the establishment of a loving, welcoming, personal relationship between individual human beings and the Creator God himself. This seems nonsense to many people today. How, they say, can God actually be concerned with every single one of his human creatures at every moment? As one person said, all those millions and millions of people out there and here he is watching me tie my shoelace? Put like that, of course, it seems absurd. And yet, the absurdity lies in the attempt to picture God as just like us, only bigger and more all-seeing. The God of the Bible is more mysterious by a long way. He is the creator of the world, transcendent over and above his creation, and yet, because his very nature is love, it is, as we might say, completely natural for him to establish personal, one-on-one -on -one relations with every single one of us. When we are reconciled to the God who is our Father, we discover that he wants not simply to enjoy this one-to-one -one relationship, but to enlist us in his service in working for his kingdom. And that will bring all kinds of pressures and problems which will require us to hang on in faith and hope, even when we don't sense his presence, even when it doesn't feel as though there's anything happening. We mustn't imagine that our feeling of being close to God is a true index of the reality. Emotions often deceive. Paul is summoning us to understand the reality, the solid rock between the shifting sands of feeling. 
Grace is almost a shorthand for the presence and power of God himself. As a result of being justified by faith, we are in a state of grace, a status, a position where we are surrounded by God's love and generosity, invited to breathe it in as our native air. As we do this, we realize that it is what we were made for, that this is what truly human existence ought to be like, and that it is the beginning of something so big, so massive, so unimaginably beautiful and powerful that we almost burst as we think of it. When we stand there in God's own presence, not trembling but deeply grateful, and begin to inhale his goodness, his wisdom, his power, and his joy, we sense that we are being invited to go all the way, to become the true reflections of God, the true image bearers that we were made to be. Paul puts it like this, we celebrate the hope of the glory of God. This is the glory that was lost through idolatry and sin. When we finally inherit this glory, the whole creation will be set free from corruption and share our newfound freedom, the freedom to be our true selves at last. No wonder Paul can then go on to speak of celebration even in the midst of sufferings, the necessary path through which we travel as we share the Father's work in this still corrupt world. Note, he doesn't say that we celebrate our sufferings. We celebrate, he says, in our sufferings in a steady progression in which God uses our sufferings for the same purpose as he gives us his own presence and love to transform us into the truly human people we were made to be. That progression leads from patience to character and from character to hope. We live in a world that wants everything immediately, that has no stability of character except a hollow media image that wanders this way and that because it has no idea where it might be going. The gospel of Jesus the Messiah calls us to swim against the tide on all counts. As we do so, it gives us something else too. Why does Paul say that hope does not make us ashamed? Why might it have done so anyway? The answer may be that the Christian, like Abraham, is called again and again and again to hope against hope. We look foolish in the world's eyes, waiting for something we can't see. But we don't appear foolish to ourselves because we are sustained by something far deeper, something which grows directly out of the gift of peace with God out of the reconciliation which Paul describes a few verses later. Israel was commanded to love Yahweh, your God, with all your heart. Paul, conscious that the new family he has described is the true family of Abraham, now declares that, through the gift of the Holy Spirit, this becomes a reality for us. Many writing about Paul understand this verse differently. They think it means that God's love for us is given in a new way through the Holy Spirit. That is no doubt true, but this is the truth Paul wants to highlight at this point. What he is doing 
throughout the section which begins here is establishing those who belong to Jesus as the true covenant family, those in whom all the promises and the commands given to Israel have come true. Now he shows how those grasped by the gospel are marked out as the people who offer this God the obedience of faith, loving him from the heart. Paul is not writing simply a few short essays about aspects of Christian truth. Listen to what Paul writes, and it will leave you breathless at the power of God's truth. And of course, at the depth of God's love. Pause for a moment and celebrate, in grateful prayer, the glorious fact of being welcomed into God's presence, at peace and in hope. Amen. Let us join in prayer, in thanksgiving and intercession. Holy God, we bless you for bringing us into communion with you and offering us the unity in love you shared as the Blessed Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Help your church in all its branches discover the unity for which Christ prayed. Strengthen and equip your people in that unity. By your Spirit, lead us to work together in building your realm, helping each other flourish according to your will. Draw the human family together in the love that unites us with you, O God. Pray for our nation and our local communities. Where we have acted without regard for the needs of others, let us work for justice and fairness. Where we have been blind to the pain of the oppressed, let us seek peace and reconciliation with those whom we have overlooked. Especially, we ask that you would guide all people in Canada to seek out reconciliation with our Indigenous neighbours and establish relationships of mutual respect and honour. Compassionate and loving God, we pray for all who are facing chaos or despair in these days. Lift up in love those who find their illness unrelieved. Support those who are denied dignity by the attitudes of others and any who are abandoned or homeless. May they know your loving care and peace upholding their lives. God, sustain those who long for healing at this time. Our God, we thank you for this community of ministry and fellowship. Strengthen us in the unity of Christ's body. Keep us forever faithful in worship and equipped for the service you call us to do. We pray all these things through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.